You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 to 8, and we're going to be asking the question, who has the power to make your life flourish? But before we take a look at that, just a couple quick things I wanted to share with you. If you haven't already had the opportunity to do so, I'd invite you to check out the Desire Jesus one-year devotional. It was just released a little over a month ago, and you could find it on Amazon.com in either paperback or Kindle edition, or you could just go to DesireJesus.com and click on the Bookstore tab, and that'll take you to the book as well. We also want to invite you to stop by our blog at DesireJesus.com. We have a lot of content there related to past episodes of this podcast. And we also have a contact link on the website where we invite listeners to drop us a line, let us know that you're out there, and if there's any way that we could be praying for you during the coming week, don't hesitate to let us know. We promise that if you send us a message with a prayer request, we will lift that prayer request up before the Lord in prayer. So again, that's all at DesireJesus.com, and we'd love if you stop by the website. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're talking about the idea of our lives flourishing in a way that the Lord would desire our lives to flourish. And we're looking at a portion of Scripture that illustrates for us the fact that, that He's the one who has the power to make our lives flourish. So if you would, take your Bibles and open up to Jeremiah chapter 23. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. And this is what it says in that passage of Scripture. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for the privilege to be able to look at this portion of Scripture today. And Lord, we pray that as we look at this passage from your word, that you would speak to us, that you'd give us your wisdom and your insight and your guidance, and that you'd help us to understand that through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, our lives flourish. 
Our present is under your control, our futures are in your hands, and you accomplish a work that only you can accomplish in the lives of those who know you, love you, and trust you. So Lord, we pray for your wisdom and insight now as we look at your word together, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was growing up, we didn't have very many TV channels. At best, we could usually get four, maybe five, through the over-the-air antenna. And I've always been someone who struggled to fall asleep at a normal time. So growing up, I would often find myself watching TV while trying to doze off. And I remember noticing a pattern with many of the shows that came on during those late hours. Many of the shows were paid infomercials by people who made some sort of a promise that they could give you the kind of life that you always wanted. So some of those late night shows would focus on your finances. Others would focus on your health. There were also programs that I would come across that spoke of spiritual issues. And truthfully speaking, most of these shows were garbage. (laughs) I'm grateful that I was able to see through that even at a young age. But I knew people who fell for the pitches and promises of these late night gurus because they were so desperate for help that they would listen to anyone who sounded at least moderately convincing. But the promises we find in Scripture go much deeper than the vain promises of men. In God's Word, we learn that there is one leader who actually does have the power to make our lives flourish in every healthy way, and that person is Jesus Christ, And this chapter of Jeremiah's book speaks prophetically of Jesus while also cautioning us about the presence of contrasting leadership that seeks to steer us in ungodly directions. And one of the cautions we're given when we look at the first few verses of this chapter is that we are to be wary of leaders who steer people away from the Lord. Look again at the opening verses of Jeremiah 23. They say this, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people. You have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. So this passage from Jeremiah 23 begins by speaking about the governmental leadership that was in Judah during the time of Jeremiah's life and ministry. And often in Scripture, leaders are spoken of as shepherds. That's how they're described here as well. And this was an analogy that the people of the time would have readily understood. Shepherds lived among, fed, cared for, and led their sheep. The well-being of their sheep was highly correlated to the care and the provisions that they received from their shepherd. In many respects, we're shown in this passage parallels to the well-being of the people of Judah and the kind of lives they lived under the care, leadership, and influence of their rulers. And the Lord had a warning for the leaders of Judah. He pointed out to them through Jeremiah that he was able to observe the nature of their poor leadership. 
He saw that their actions were destroying and scattering the people. Instead of caring for the people and working toward allowing them to dwell in safety, they were primarily seeking their own self-interests, and they were prompting the hearts of the people to become fearful. The Lord promised that he would do something about this, and that a day would come when the people would be privileged to experience righteous leadership. Now again, these verses are primarily dealing with political leadership, but the issues that are addressed here relate to spiritual leadership as well, even leadership during our time. In some of my secondary ministry roles, I see issues like this crop up regularly. I serve as a director of a mission board that plants churches and helps establish churches that are struggling. And just the other day, I called a pastor to find out how some of the churches in his area were doing. Some were doing well, others weren't. One in particular was giving him some major concern. And he said to me, that church has lost about half of its congregation this past year, and every time I call the pastor to see how he's doing, he always acts too busy to talk but I can hear the TV playing in the background. Basically, it appears that the church is being led by a man who would rather watch television than lead the church that he's been entrusted with. He also spoke of another church that's being led by a man who thinks nothing of posting offensive content online and then belittling those who speak to him about it. And in both contexts, you effectively have examples of spiritual leadership that's dropping the ball. Instead of leading others toward the Lord, they may in fact be steering people away from the Lord because of the poor stewardship of their positions. To be honest, I suspect that the Lord is going to handle both situations. He'll do it in his own timing. He'll do it in his own way. But in the meantime, we as his people need to be discerning. We need to hold the teaching. We need to hold the lifestyle of those we allow to influence us. We need to hold these things up to the counsel of God's Word. But not all leadership is bad. In fact, when you look at this portion of Scripture from Jeremiah, one of the things that we're told about here is the righteous leadership of Christ, and we're effectively invited to rejoice in the righteous leadership of Christ. Look at what verses 5 and 6 tell us in this passage says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. If you've never taken the time to read the Bible cover to cover, I would strongly encourage you to do so. If you stick with it long enough, you will be fascinated by what you'll learn. You'll see patterns, you'll see direct references, you'll see subtle hints about God's future plans, plans that have a direct impact on you. You'll also see when you read through the Old Testament that the Scriptures keep speaking about an individual who is going to come who will be the leader that our hearts ultimately crave. Adam was told of this future leader. Abraham was told of this future leader. Moses was told about this future leader. Joshua was also told about him. David was also told about him. In fact, David was told that this future leader would be a descendant from his own lineage. 
The future leader would be a king who would one day sit on David's throne. This is something that was being revealed through Jeremiah as well, as the Lord told him that he would raise up for David a righteous branch, who would reign as king, who would deal wisely, who would execute justice, who would foster righteousness, salvation, and security. These are all references to Jesus Christ, promises that will find their ultimate fulfillment after Christ's second coming to this earth. As the people of Judah were presently dealing with the corrupt leadership of King Jehoiachin and others at the time of this writing, and were also living in fear of the surrounding nations, they longed for the kind of leadership and prominence that they once enjoyed during the days of King David. Jeremiah's prophecy was revealing to them, yet again, that one greater than David was coming. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of David, the one David himself worshipped, would come and lead the people with justice and righteousness. Christ himself revealed that he was the fulfillment of these very promises. Look at what it says in Psalm 110, verse 1. David wrote this down. He said, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And then in Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 41, Jesus references the passage from Psalm 110, and this is how the portion of Scripture from Matthew 22, starting with verse 41, reads. It says, Now while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. It's fascinating when we look at the fulfillment of these scriptures, and Jeremiah's prophecy also reveals that the leader who was to come would be called the Lord is our righteousness. In Hebrew, this would be Jehovah Tzidkenu. This is a fascinating title to think about as we reflect on who Jesus is and what he seeks to do for us. Many people who profess belief in God spend the bulk of their lives mistakenly believing that they must earn his favor through their own virtue or through their own righteousness. But that's a mindset that doesn't work, because we would need to be perfectly virtuous and perfectly righteous to be able to stand before our holy God on our own. Likewise, if you do become convinced that you have the capacity to earn God's love, you'll inevitably become a smug, judgmental, self-righteous individual who turns people off to the joys of walking with Christ. On the contrary, Scripture teaches us that Jesus is our righteousness, just as Jeremiah proclaimed. I like what we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 30. It says this, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. What does that scripture teach us? It teaches us that Jesus makes us righteous. 
Jesus makes us holy. Jesus teaches us not to boast in ourselves, but to learn to boast about him and his goodness to us. We can rejoice in the righteous leadership of Christ. Now, there's one other thing that the portion of Scripture that we're looking at today from Jeremiah chapter 23 points out, and that's found in verses 7 and 8, where it reveals to us that if you're in Christ, your best days are not behind you. Look at what it says in verses 7 and 8. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all the countries where he had driven them, then they shall dwell in their own land. Now, I don't know if you follow football, if it's something you care about, or if it's something that you strongly despise, but I live just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and we all care about football here, at least most of us do. And prior to last Sunday, what did every fan of the Philadelphia Eagles say when someone would mention that the team had never won a Super Bowl? We would typically say something like, look, we've, we've won NFL championships prior to the Super Bowl era. Don't forget about 1948, and don't forget about 1949 and 1960. Those still count, right? That's what we would often say. But deep down inside, we all know how bad we wanted the team to win a Super Bowl. And now, Eagles fans don't have to look to the past for their victories. We can look to the present, and I think if you asked most fans, I think they'd tell you that this is the start of a string of championships on the horizon, because there's a lot of optimism surrounding this team right now. Now, imagine being the people of Judah and Israel during the time of Jeremiah's writing. To many, it seemed like their best days were behind them far behind them. They were being invaded, and they were being held captive by foreign nations. Their leaders were corrupt. They longed for the kind of experiences their forefathers enjoyed hundreds of years earlier when the Lord raised up Moses to lead the people out of the land of Egypt, or like things were when the Lord raised up David to rule as their king. But in these verses, the Lord was making it clear to them that their best days were still ahead of them. The day was coming when they would no longer need to rehash the events of the past for a morale boost. There's an important correlation when we look at this portion of Scripture to how the Lord is working in our lives as well. And I think that this is something that we should consider while this portion of Scripture is fresh in our mind. Because if you have come to the place of receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, your best days are not behind you. Jesus is present with you today, and he's promised you a future that is incorruptible. And I think it's healthy for our minds to dwell on this fact more often than we sometimes do. Not long ago, I experienced something in my day-to-day -day life that I found a little bit discouraging. It was something that kind of stayed on my mind, and it would have been obvious, even to a casual observer, that something was bringing me down. And I remember one particular night as I was thinking about it, and I was the last one up in my house, and, and uh, I, I walked into the kitchen. Everyone else was asleep, and I thought, let me just quietly grab a glass of water. And as I drank that water, I stood in front of my sink just sipping away and thinking about the issue that was bothering me. And as I did that, it dawned on me that the best thing I could do for myself 
was to finish that water, get a good night's sleep, and start the next day fresh, knowing that every trial and every discouragement I have ever faced in my entire life has eventually passed. And no trial is going to seem quite so consequential to me when I'm forever surrounded by Christ's glory. Remember what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17? It says this, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. That's what the Scripture tells us. That's what the Lord reminds us in His Word. And that means that if you are in Christ, your best days are not behind you. He has the power to make your life flourish. Your eternal life isn't something distant and remote. It has already begun. His power is at work within us. He is present with us daily. And He has purposely told us of the kind of future He has guaranteed for all those who believe in Him, so as to encourage our hearts now while we patiently await His return. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for all the things that you encourage us with when we look at a portion of Scripture like this. Lord Jesus, we recognize that you are the one who has the power to make our lives flourish. So we're grateful for these realities. We're grateful for what you've revealed to us about your righteous leadership, and we're grateful for your love. Help us, Lord, to walk with you faithfully today and to put you first in all aspects and all areas of our lives. We commit ourselves to you now, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the informal Bible study. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, we invite you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com. You'll find lots of information and helpful tools and helpful resources and our bookstore there. So we invite you to stop by, and when you do stop by, be sure to drop us a note, let us know that you stopped by, and let us know if there's a way that we could be praying for you during this upcoming week. But that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and we look forward to catching up with you again right here next Monday. Take care. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.